morning and welcome again to SACPA. I am, uh, my name is Heather Oxman and I'll be your moderator this afternoon. I uh, would like to remind you to turn off your phones if they're on or turn off the ringers for sure. Set them on vibrate so that you get a nice buzz. Um, please be reminded to pay your $12 into the basket so that when we collect them, uh, nobody eats free. And uh, I'm here to introduce our speaker today. His name is Michael Rappel. Um, he's going to be talking today about enhanced protection for farm and ranch workers. It's been a year and a half that we've been trying to get somebody to talk about this topic, the uh, Bill 6 and the Farm Workers Act. Um, but, and Michael today has come to us from Grand Prairie. Uh, so just goes to show how far we reach to make your happiness happen. Uh, Mikey is a northern farm boy who has extensive experience in occupational health and safety. He, he's a former emergency medical technician and uh, he comes with vast experience at actual uh, workplace injury sites. Uh, he'll be relaying how Bill 6 has been translated into actual um, uh, draft regulations and how he is working with the regulations on the ground. So without further ado, I, I would like you to welcome Michael Rappel. Okay, thanks Heather for that. Whoops, what did we do here? Okay. Uh, again, thank you very much for, uh, for the invitation, of course, and uh, hopefully everybody can hear me. not used to doing this on a microphone, and usually I have one of those big booming voices that uh, I don't need a microphone, so this is a little awkward. I tend to walk around and engage people a little bit in this. But um, So yeah, for the next 30 minutes, uh, we'll go through the slides and, and present some of the information of where we're at, what we've done, uh, what's still to come and uh, try and make some sense for those that uh, still have any questions out there. Uh, I will uh, say right off the bat, I'm not a politician. I, uh, like I say, I'm just a kid out of Grand Prairie, Alberta, tied into a farm there. My family still sits on the farm in, uh, in northern Alberta, up in the Spirit River DeVale area, up in Manning, Falaire, Jeruville. We've got crops in, uh, well, all those areas actually right now we've got cattle up in the uh, Drew and Flair Drewville and Flair areas so uh, again you know I, I have a little bit of a tie into there so hopefully that uh, maybe makes a little bit of sense out of it but so for the next 30 minutes we'll go through that if you've got any questions my understanding is we'll save that all to the end and if you do have something specific that the slides don't answer please bring it forward at that time so without further ado anybody here bill six okay just uh, getting that out there. I know we all have. So um, basically, in some of the history behind it, summer of 2015 at the time, I was approached by the department to be involved as part of the group to look at establishing a department within OHS that would start to go out to the farm, ranch, agriculture uh, industries uh, with the idea that you're going to have to be dealing with this. We know the legislation's changing on, on January 1st. So get involved, set up a team, start to look at training, putting people together that understand uh, 
the farm and ranch industry that, f that understand ag cycles, crop cycles, animal cycles, and otherwise, and put together a team uh, to deal with this. So we've actually got, at this point in time, 18 officers spread throughout Alberta, Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, Calgary, Red Deer, Grand Prairie, Edmonton, uh, and we've got a good balance throughout there that are available at any time to respond to incidents, accidents, complaints, uh, that we've put the, the time and effort in to search them out and say, what is your background? We've got guys who were raised on cattle farms. We've got people that have worked in feedlots. We've got people that their family still sits on the farm. They themselves still sit on the farm. So, um, so it's been really, really lucky that way and really fortunate to have that internal knowledge within OHS. Uh, to be able to uh, to work with the industry. So we'll start basically the uh, the Enhanced Protection for Farm and Ranch Workers Act again provides wage non-family uh, farm and ranch workers with the same basic rights and protections as workers in other industries and it brings Alberta into line with most other provinces. Uh, everybody that understood when it came forward it was a it was a Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms there was a discrimination understanding in there and so we were having to play catch up and put this into place. But the intent of course was with the changes to legislation, they were looking at workers' compensation, occupational health and safety, uh, employment standards and labor relations. And of course at this time, I'm just focusing on the, on the occupational health and safety side. So the Occupational Health and Safety Act itself sets the standards for the protection of workers. It's a two-way street, it's a partnership where employers are obligated to ensure the health and safety of their workers on their work sites. At the same time, the workers are equally obliged to work safely and cooperate with their employer to keep the work site safe, keep themselves safe, and their co-workers. And you'll hear this a few times throughout the presentation again. At this time, farming and ranching operations who employ waged, non-family workers continue to be exempt from the specific technical regulations at this time. The code, okay? The act is in place. Certain parts of the of the OHS regulation are there, but the code itself is still exempt at this time. Okay. The other thing you'll hear me talk about a lot is if you get if you're not paid, if you're family member, it's an exemption. Okay, and it doesn't apply. So when we talk jurisdiction, what gives us the authority to go onto a, a work site? Okay, is there a worker present? First and foremost, is there a worker present? If there's not a worker present, there isn't a work site. Our definition of a worker for this is any person engaged in an occupation but does not include persons engaged in farming and ranching operations specified in those regulations where no wages are paid for the farming and ranching work, so they're exempt, or wages are paid but the person is a family member, therefore exempt. And the family member exemption husband, wife, mom, dad, and uncle, brother, sister, first cousin, and a partridge in a pear tree all the way out through, okay, that trumps everything. If you are a family member, you're exempt. It doesn't matter if you pay them or not. At that point, family members trump that. So you will be exempt. So again, within the farming and ranching regulation itself, the following are considered farming and ranching operations. So the production of crops fruits, vegetables, whatever, through the cultivation of land, the raising and maintenance of animals or birds, the keeping of bees, okay? So that's in the farming and ranching regulation itself. And, and at this point in time, like I say, I know that in the future they're still looking at these things. What should also be in there? 
what shouldn't be in there. That's part of the technical working groups and the recommendations coming from those technical working groups that may further delineate what is. We've had talk of fish farms. We've had talk of, of a number of other different uh, uh, industries that, yes, they're aligned with it. Discussion around sod farms, where does that fit in, mushroom farms, et cetera. In the past, oh, so well, sorry. Um, next one we talk about is, again, do we have an employer? So Alberta's OHS laws apply to farm and ranching operations where people who are not the owner or not related to the owner are paid for their work. But if you have paid workers not related to you, again, by blood, marriage, adoption, or otherwise, you are likely an employer. So again, we're focusing on family member and are they paid? Paid wages, you know, and this is part of the discussion. Again, my, my family is, is, is on the farm in a lot of ways. My oldest son this uh, summer spent some time out with his uncle out on the farm, uh, running cattle, fixing fences, pounding posts, whatever, it's haying season, away you go. So maybe he gets a, a, gets a cow at the end of the, end of the summer. Is he paid? Oh, okay, no. Not for these purposes. They're looking at, for the employment standards discussion, are you paid wages? Okay, and that's what we're looking at. Now, in the past as an employer, again, we've looked at what are the obligations. And again, the Act speaks to what are the obligations of the employer. And again, it's a general duty that all employers protect, that take reasonable precautions to protect the health and safety of their workers. So again, employers with non-family waged workers will need to follow generally accepted farming and ranching practices and standards and apply general health and safety principles. So again, within those general duties, we look at ensuring workers are properly trained or supervised. We look at explaining hazards and how to work safe in spite of those hazards. Anybody believe that farming is not a hazardous job? Okay, again, 15 years in occupational health and safety, 10 years as a paramedic in Northern Alberta, in Spirit River. Sorry, I, we, we can all agree on that. Again, certain things around ensuring general maintenance of equipment, taking reasonable precautions to ensure that your equipment is, is, in, uh, is, is maintained and, and in good condition for use. And again, reporting incidents to investigate and prevent recurrence. Accidents happen, we know that, we've seen it, we know the numbers, okay? We want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. If somebody pays a price, broken arm, broken leg, or worse, okay? we don't want to see it happen again. If somebody pays a price, we shouldn't have to repeat it again and again and again and figure it's not going to, to happen or that somehow it's going to fix itself, okay? We want to make sure we're going in to look at what's in place, what should be in place, what's reasonable. We work with Ag and, and, and those people. We, we've we've uh, employed, well, engaged them in a number of discussions on what are best practices in farm safety, what would be reasonable for the farm community to use uh, in their organizations as a good health and safety program or good practices. Now, again, we talked to obligations of a, of a worker. We talked about that partnership where the employer has their obligations to ensure a, uh, a safe and healthy work site for their workers who are paid and non-family, thank you very much, okay? But the flip side of that, once again, is of course the obligation of the worker is to take reasonable precautions to protect himself, cooperate with the employer, you know, let them know that if incidents happen, what happened, what can we do and participate and actively manage those incidents, again, with the idea of preventing uh, a similar accident ha from happening. 
So we want them to look out for themselves, look out for their co-workers, understand that what they're doing may have an impact somewhere else. We want them to report hazards to the employer and say, hey, I've seen this, we should do something about it, this could happen. Follow the employer's health and safety program. There are some uh, employers that have very, uh, very impressive, very immaculate health and safety programs on their work sites uh, and have had for years. And it, it's a frustration from them sometimes that, hey, you know what, we've put a lot of time and effort into this health and safety program and you know, maybe, maybe our workers aren't buying into this enough. So again, it's that partnership and it's that two-way street to work together uh, with the idea of prevention. Okay? And again, workers will be able to refuse unsafe work that presents an imminent danger. Imminent danger is one of those discussions out there. It's very much individual. I believe that my life or, or, or my health and safety is in an imminent danger because of whatever work process is going on or whatever equipment is going on. What we've always discussed though is what may be an imminent danger to one person may not so much be to another person. And we use the firefighter um, example at the end of the day. How many people in the room would go into a burning building to rescue somebody, just go put out the fire? You know, just right off the street as you stand, how many would actually go run in it? Probably not many. Okay, there are probably some though that are trained and willing to do that. But as a firefighter, okay, you are trained, you have the proper equipment, you have the understanding, you have the backup, you have all of the supplies to manage that hazard and do it safely for your health and safety and hopefully for the person that you're, that you're affecting or, or trying to save. So within OH&S, like I say, we went out and looked internally within our department to see who has the background, who has the understanding that can work with the industry that can go out to the farms, to go out to feedlots, go out to uh, different places and be comfortable, strike up a conversation uh, and basically say what they need to say and at the same time understand what's being said back to them. So we focused on, on these officers of ours that had agriculture experience of some kind, uh, like I say, whether they're on the farm, born on the farm, tied to the farm, had farm jobs, uh, ag jobs, feedlots, and all points in between. We tried to really uh, concentrate on, on finding those people within our organization. Then we went and said, okay, what do we need these people to know so that when they go out into the field that A, they're comfortable, but B, so the work sites that we're going to, they're comfortable with us coming onto site. So we talked about biosecurity and we, we worked with Dr. Dolores Peters, who's the, uh, with the veterinary department for the province of Alberta. And we got her to help design a biosecurity program for us. You know, we talk about, uh, hey, you're gonna go to a swine barn, be prepared to clean in, clean on, booties on, booties off, wash your trucks, be prepared for biocides and for, for taking care of these things. Be prepared that, you know what, when you show up at, uh, at the grain farm over here and you say, yeah, I'll go park over there and the farmer takes a look at you and goes, no, you're not. Oh, whoops, club route. Yeah, you're right. Where would you like me to park? Okay. And we understand these things. And so on top of that, we, uh, we spent a week in Olds. We brought all of the staff together. Uh, we worked with the Olds College, uh, put together a really good training program that talked about ag cycles, that talked about livestock operations, that talked about uh, different pieces of equipment that are out there. How are they used? How are they maintained? What makes sense? What's reasonable? We brought in Alberta Agriculture and worked with, uh, with Nicole Harnett and, and uh, Kendall Lubeck to help develop us with us what are some of the best practices are out there? What are we seeing that, 
that we should be communicating along to say, okay, yeah, here's the rules coming in, but here's an organization and here's some stuff that you can use right now to, to help your health and safety program. Now again, as with all new or changed legislation, the priority of OHS at this time is an education first uh, uh, approach. And we're leading, uh, we want to lead to a good collaboration with the farm and ranch sector to ensure that there's a good understanding of the legislative requirements. We want to ask the questions and again, have the questions asked of us. What is the expectation? What do you want? What makes sense? And again, officers are looking for compliance through discussion. We talk to the employer, what are you doing? Is this reasonable? Does it make sense? Is there a better way? Is this what the industry is doing? Okay. And again, at the end of the day, we're looking at prevention. Okay. We don't want to see anybody get hurt. And if taking a, a minute to ask that question, you know, okay, you're parked under the power line, uh, going to raise the grain uh, auger anytime soon. What are you doing? Uh, nope. Okay. Can you just pull ahead a couple of feet? Oh yeah. Okay. It's not all about writing orders and it's not all about, um, you know, writing tickets or it's not a, all, it's about prevention. Okay. That's really what we want to focus on. So inspections at this time. Okay. We, and, and this is a funny story. I received a call from a gentleman, uh, up in the, uh, up in the Camrose area. That's about eight months ago. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm mad. One of your guys is on my site. He's told me that if I don't get this, uh, this guard on my PTO, that he's going to shut down the tractor, shut down the farm. Oh, okay. Um, no, that's not happened. I guarantee it because we're not doing proactive uh, inspections at this point in time. And until the technical rules are in place, we're not going to just be driving up and down the, the, the range roads and the, and the township roads looking for stuff. At this point in time, unless we're actually invited to the work site uh, by an employer, you know, we know that they have uh, paid workers. We know that uh, we have a worker and we have jurisdiction. You want us to come in and take a look. We'll work with uh, Alberta Ag to, to make sure that these things are in place. But we're not going to do any of the proactive inspections until the technical rules come into place. You know, later 2017 is, is still what we're envisioning. And again, they talk about contraventions. All of the stuff that we're dealing with at this time is voluntary compliance. We've had incidents, we've had accidents, we've had complaints, we've showed up on work sites, we've engaged uh, the workers, the employers, the farmers to say, okay, what were you doing? Was it the right way? Is there a better way? Uh, what does this look like? What can you do to prevent it? Well, we'll do this, this, this. Okay, great, sounds good to me. Okay, it's not about writing orders, it's that idea of engaging and, and looking at voluntary compliance. There is different levels that go up, uh, whether it's a written compliance, compliance order that, you know what, this is just really bad and if we're not seeing it, we need to protect somebody. Yeah, there is the potential there for a compliance order. We haven't written one yet, okay? Uh, it's been a good discussion all the way along. People have understood that. Stop work, stop use orders in the, well, in the event where there is perhaps a, a fatality or a very serious incident and it looks at, yeah, a piece of equipment may have been faulty or something, uh, a work process was, was not up to maybe Alberta Agriculture's uh, or whatever best practices may be out there. Uh, whoops, there may be something to look at as to, sorry, excuse me. Uh, there may be something to look at and say, okay, we need, we need to protect people right now. Somebody is going to get seriously hurt. Somebody is gonna get killed if we don't do something about this right now. And again, there is the, the, the option at the end of the day, the, the way the legislation is built in, there is an appeals process in there that goes through the Alberta Health and Safety Council 
and they will look at whatever order or, or what may have been written and and basically adjudicate is it right wrong does it need to be varied and and so that process is in place again with the idea of compliance officers are there to provide education support gain trust and understanding in the industry the focus itself again is primarily on the employer and the worker general obligations under the OHS Act it's that partnership we want to make sure that taking reasonable precautions to protect the health and safety of your workers taking reasonable precautions to protect yourself and cooperate with your employer to protect your health and safety the occupational health and safety regulations exist right now in a very limited function and again what it speaks to right now is is basic safety training okay it speaks to the general protection of workers and general maintenance of equipment okay and again when you talk safety training so there here's a question my uncle asked me this summer okay my oldest is 16 can I put him on the tractor yeah okay what do I have to do to train him I said sit watch him sit beside him do whatever run around and when you figure he's ready then he's ready okay there's nothing specifically out there that say you have to have XYZ certificate course there's not anything there for that that says it has to look like this and it has to be so many hours it has to be this way okay at this stage of the game train them like you would your own kid otherwise this is reasonable that's that's the way that it'll, it'll be looked at so again at this stage of the game within within the act itself we talk about the obligations we talked about section 8 a little bit gives us the authority to inspect and to investigate in the event of an incident accident or otherwise that's what the act primarily does right now is gives us the authority to at least come out onto the sites when something happens section 12 speaks to equipment and again making sure that it's free of obvious defect if you get into the truck you push on the brakes and they go right to the floorboards you might want to do something okay Fred Flintstone braking is probably not the one to do um, but again reasonable actions okay you, you have uh, workers perhaps uh, they're out mucking out barns really dusty uh, we had one of these um, what's reasonable you know people are coughing hacking wheezing whatever what's reasonable dust mask okay fifty thousand dollar HEPA air filter system reasonable maybe maybe not probably not uh, according to my uncle no it's not okay so and again we talked to a little bit about the du the duties of workers themselves and the safety training side of things so and again officers are going to work to gain reasonable levels of compliance respecting the farmers time ensuring minimal disruption to operations compliance tools only be used when absolutely necessarily there's nothing worse then it's 10 o'clock 11 o'clock at night frost is coming in and yeah you're out on the field hey I don't necessarily have time to shut down and do this uh, we've listened to that we've understood that we're hearing these things and these are the systems that we're putting in place to engage the 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 industry to say okay what's reasonable we come out God forbid there is a piece of equipment that yeah this equipment needs to be fixed right now it's not shutting down the entire operation perhaps it's limited to that one piece of equipment can we get another piece in to deal with it yes okay we continue on and again we're gonna have the discretion to be flexible with the approach use the compliance tool that works best to address the situation with minimal disruption of operations now within investigations of course we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again we're looking at prevention 
we want to make sure that it doesn't recur. So OHS officers have the authority to investigate fatalities, serious incidents, incidents respond to complaints of paid workers who are not family members. Thank you. I like that. Okay. So again, reportable incidents are pre-screened. As soon as we get a call, we ensure we have jurisdiction. Now, whether that means we talk to the RCMP member, we talk to the farmer themselves, we talk to EMS, we talk to whoever to identify, do we have a paid worker who is not a family member that we actually have a work site that we can attend to? We'll engage them to say, okay, yes, we do, and we'll make arrangements to come out. Usually, depending on time, it could be that day or the next day, uh, depending on where I'm bringing officers in from to attend to the worksite. Complaints are a little bit different. Again, we'll contact the farmer directly. We'll talk, con contact the farm again to ensure that we've got jurisdiction, but also to ensure, hey, what's going on? What's a reasonable time to come and see you on your time to sit and go through the, the complaint? Here's what is being complained about. What's a good time to come out? Is there anything I need to worry about biosecurity? Is there anything I need to worry about uh, my health and safety? Where do you want us to be? What does this look like? Now again, at this time, reportable accidents, reportable incidents under the legislation, an injury or accident, of course, that results in, in a fatality right off the bat. Uh, an injury or accident that results in a worker admitted to hospital greater than two days. Uh, an unplanned or uncontrolled explosion, fire, flood that causes or has the potential to cause the serious injury. Okay, once again, my uncle, smart man. Uh, what about controlled burns? Okay, well, depending on who you have on the end of the uh, hose and whether it gets away from you or not, I guess, is going to decide whether it is reportable or not. Uh, but once it gets into your barn, probably uh, it's reportable. Um, and then the collapse or failure of any component of a building or structure necessary for the structural integrity of the building. So barn collapses, uh, building collapses, shop collapses, stuff like that. Again, we have a 1-800 line, 1-866-415-8690, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. One thing to keep in mind, if you do have paid workers, WCB is the insurance portion, uh, we're the compliance portion. And if you report an injury or an incident to WCB, you file a claim or otherwise, it doesn't necessarily mean that we will hear it um, because they are two separate entities. So. Uh, like I say, if one of those incidents happen and you do have a paid worker that is not your relative and you do call it in, we'll ask those quick questions just to make sure. Uh, but WCB, if you're only calling WCB, they may not say, hey, did you call OHS? So just be aware of that. So some of the stats and trends that we've seen to date, and again, it's only since January 1st, 2016 that we, that we have been tracking this. Um, for 2016, we had 20 assignments generated uh, as a result of either an incident or complaint where we were directly notified. Um, out of that, 10 reportable incidents, nine complaints, and one was a, was a follow-up inspection after the fact. And again, we do, we do hear about things from newspapers, radio, TV, or otherwise. We'll follow up with that information just to see, hey, was there a jurisdictional uh, situation that we needed to know of? and we'll respond accordingly. Some of the stats and trends today, like I say, starting in January 1st, 2016 to, to today, we've had seven fatal incidents, okay? Four of them, however, were family members, so we're exempt. We did not attend those. Three, though, we did and are still active at this time. We had six reportable incidents. They were non-fatality that would, were reported. 
One was a federally regulated company, so not under our jurisdiction. Same thing, one was a family member. Within those, we see the burns greater than hospital than two days, collapses of buildings and otherwise. That's where those reportable incidents tend to fall. And then 12 complaints we've had. So we attended to seven of them. Three were exempt. One was federal. All have been addressed at this time. And what we're seeing, again, like I say, is a mix and match of motor vehicle accidents. We're seeing fires. We're seeing animal handling, we're seeing ATV usage, we're seeing slips and trips, okay? On the complaint side of things, air quality, ventilation, guarding, safety training, chemical hazards, uh, and water quality, so. Now, from the WCB, just to throw a couple little quick things in there, uh, and this is again, sorry, as of January, uh, at the end of January, 1st of January uh, 2017, WCB's numbers were 3,629 agricultural operators registered up from 1756. So they've doubled year over year. Stats also show, however, compensation claims basically 339 in the first year up to 793. So you're pretty much consistently increased. It's not that there's been a whole bunch more, but based on the number of accounts and the number of reports, it's staying consistent that. What we've seen though, and this is interesting, 2016, 192 feedlots, 131 hay grain crop farming, uh, 106 claims from beef producers. Nearly a quarter of all claims, 199, were strain sprains, superficial wounds, the cuts and the burns, open wounds, fractures, 106. What is the interesting thing with all those? How many simple broken leg, how many people are kept in hospital for two days with a simple broken leg nowadays? Okay. So although it ends up as a WCB claim, chances are we don't know about it, okay? And again, with WCB numbers, uh, if they have personal coverage for family members or otherwise, then again, they're still exempt from us, so we may not know it. Consultations, just to quickly talk about, again, the government is committed to the ongoing consultations with farm and ranch employers, workers, as well as other stakeholders. The, stick, the six technical working groups still continue to work on the project. Uh, there are certain pieces now that are up for public review that have gone through the uh, technical working group been presented. Um, so they're still at that stage again. Labor relations, uh, the employment standards code, the OH&S ones were the big ones and, the, and there was a lot of time and effort put into getting that right. And my understanding is that has now been presented uh, to the cabinet or to uh, the government that way. So the recommendations are all in place and they're reviewing them. Questions, comments, concerns, we'll save apparently for after lunch. I'm getting the <clears throat> hook. So uh, thank you very much for, uh, for listening, and I look forward to the questions afterwards.